How's everyone doing? Wasn't that an amazing time of worship? Can we give it up for the worship team? They just <laughs> led us so beautifully. I don't have that gift, but I am very grateful for those who do, and you're also very grateful that they can do it, so you don't have to hear me do it, um, unless you're sitting in front of me. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, my name's Heather. If I haven't met you before, I have been attending Riverwood for the last year and a bit, and last year was a part of the prayer team here at The Ascent, and I am not a young adult, despite my wrinkleless face. Um, 36 years old, the lady at the forks yesterday, she's like, you're 36, you look so much younger. I was like, well, thank you. Take that as a compliment. That's a good problem to have, I think. Um, but I started coming to the Ascent because the first time that I showed up at this service out of just curiosity, I was so drawn in to the hunger and the openness to the presence of God. And I was like, I need to be in this space. And so I don't know if you all realize the gift that you have here. Probably you do, and that's why you keep coming. But I want to reaffirm that this is a really unique gathering and a unique space. And personally, I haven't experienced too much like this. And I spent two years um, down in California at Bethel Church in the ministry school there. And when I came home, I was just hungry for a place that valued the presence of God. And I was so grateful when I found this place. So I just want to honor the leaders here and the dream team here and everyone who makes this event possible. And I hope that all of you come know what a gift it is to be able to have a space like this. So outside of being involved at Riverwood, I am a mom of three. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old. And they are currently kicking my butt. I think they're ready for Christmas break, and I'm fearful for Christmas break. <laughs> I'm like, two weeks. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Um, and they're amazing. And I'm married to a wild, crazy, red-headed man uh, who's just always got the biggest dreams and makes my crazy ideas look like no big deal. Um, and we uh, really love serving together in the way that he fully sent me here and was going to take on bedtime by himself. So I'm very grateful to have a supportive partner in him. And um, something else about me is that I've been speaking and doing this kind of ministry for about 13 years. And I currently am also a life coach, which is something I started in the summer and has been so much fun. Um, I get to work with different clients and just help them thrive in their relationships and their ministry and their jobs. And it's so much fun. And I also recently published my second book. It's called Letters from a Big Sister. And it's a book of different women writing to their younger selves. Like, what do I wish I would have known when I was younger and I was going through the challenges that I was going through then? And it's a very beautiful book. I was like, every page needs to be pretty. There needs to be pictures. And at first I was like, and it can't be pink. But in the end, it's pink. And I'm actually going to give this one away. So is there anyone that has a birthday today or close to today? Pardon? Your mom's? Well, that doesn't count, but nice try. <laughs> anyone, anyone have a birthday in December? Female? No. Oh, there's a hand. Come on down. You want a book, sister? You should be jumping up excited. She's like, I don't want to walk up there. Yay, good job. 
When is your birthday? Mine was December 6th. We're almost birthday buddies. Um, and I have a few other books here, so if anyone's interested in getting one, you can find me after. Okay, now into tonight. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics on the planet, hearing God's voice, tuning into the frequency of heaven. And the reason I gave it this subtitle is because I really believe that God is constantly speaking, all the time. And you just look at the creation story, and you can see that it was his words being spoken that brought life into being. His word is so powerful, and his word is alive and it's active. And yes, all of that in scripture, but even more so because we have the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so how are we called to love God? I know that there was a little bit of focus on this in the beginning of the fall about loving God first and loving others. And I wanted to look at Mark 12, verse 3, which says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your, come on now, people, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your Beautiful. You're awake. So <clears throat> I'm going to look at each of these words very briefly. Heart basically means the mind, will, and emotions. A couple other words that come up when you look up the actual Greek word, which here's a tip for you. If you ever want to be fancy in your teaching, just go on Google, and you can find out all the Greek words and really impress everyone. Okay? So this word is cardia, and I know that from my years of study. Um, no, I know that from Google, and it says the heart, mind, character, inner self, will, intention, center. So with all of that, and then also with your soul, which the word for soul, sukha, means breath. All of your breath. What does it look like to love God with every breath? With all of your mind, the word is Dianoya, and that means understanding, intellect, mind, and insight, and then with all of your strength. And the word for that is iskus, and it means strength and might. And when I looked a little deeper, it, I found the force to overcome immediate resistance. And I love that. Do we love God enough that we'll press through? the immediate resistance, because it seems like on this journey of faith, there is always resistance. But the one I want to focus on tonight is actually the mind. And so I looked a little deeper into the word for mind, and this is what I found, and this just got me so excited. I was completely geeking out. And here's why. It says, thoroughly from side to side, to use the mind properly, movement from one side to the other to reach, to reach balanced conclusions. Now, this is why this got me so amped up. Because we have a right side of our brain and a left side of our brain, right? This is basic. Give me a head nod if you already knew that. Good. And when I read this from side to side, I was like, that is it. That is the whole key for this message, because so many of us, myself included, have learned to love God with our left brain. Love him with your intellect, with 
your understanding with logic, with linear thinking. And this is how we're taught. Growing up in church, if you grew up in church, you were taught all of the stories, right? You knew about Jonah and the whale. Like, what? Why were we even being taught about Jonah? I still don't understand Jonah and the whale. Like, did that actually happen? I think it did. I'm, I literally think it happened, but I'm like, why was I learning about Jonah and the whale? I was just like, just like know the story about Jonah and the whale and Noah and the ark and, you know, Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham and Isaac were teaching this to six-year-olds? Like, you ever thought about that? Um, strange. And then we were doing all the Bible verse memorization you can imagine. Does anyone else have, like, a lot of Bible verses memorized because you were paid to do it or you were given candy? Like, I have a lot of verses that just pop up, and it's because I worked at Red Rock Bible Camp, and they literally paid you to memorize verses. And I was like, yes, I will memorize verses for money. Thank you very much. And it was supposed to be, like, money off your camp tuition, but, like, I was pocketing that money, okay? That was buying me some, like, gobstoppers and nerds and whatnot, um, which were only, like, 50 cents back then, back in the day. Um, so left brain, we're, like, pumping up the left brain with so much knowledge, understanding, memorization. We're trying to logically understand the most illogical story ever told. And if we can manage to wrap our head around it enough, we're like, okay, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to sign up for this. But the crazy thing is that faith is the most, the most illogical thing. We literally have based our entire belief on the fact that a guy was raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. Have any of you ever seen anyone raised from the dead? I've never seen someone raised from the dead. I don't even know if I want to see someone raised from the dead. Like, I'll be really honest with you. That would freak me out. I think I'd be running out of the room. But our entire faith is based on that one illogical event. And then we're told that we are going to see the things that Jesus saw and even greater. This is what our faith is based on. And we're trying to do all of this with our left brain? Are you kidding me? But this verse says that we are to love God with our mind. Dia oya, which means from side to side. To reach a balanced conclusion. Thinking that literally reaches across to the other side. The other side being the right side of your brain. Which is feelings, visualization. I'm not talking new age here. This is like in the Bible, people. Visualization, imagination, intuition, rhythm, holistic thinking, art. This is what it looks like to reach to the other side and to love God with not just part of your mind, all of your mind. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because tonight I am going to probably challenge some of the way that you think and some of the way that you've experienced God before because we are going to talk about what it looks like to love God and to use our imagination to know and love him more. Hearing God's voice requires us to move from the left to the right. So like I said, I grew up being taught and learning to love God primarily with my mind and primarily with the left side of my brain. 
But the thing is, is that my faith didn't really become real until the right side of my brain became a part of the conversation. And what I've learned is that the Holy Spirit, who we are given as believers, often interacts with us most in the right side of our brain, in our bodies, in our emotions, in all this stuff that's experiential, that doesn't always make sense logically. John 14, verse 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. But because the Spirit of God isn't an audible voice, it's too bad, I'd really appreciate that some days, we actually need to use our senses, our intuition, our imagination to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying and how he is leading. So the Bible was meant to be read by people who are in love. I'll say that one more time. The Bible was meant to be read by people who are in love. And yet so often we read the Bible to know about God rather than to actually know God personally. We are often less comfortable with loving and experiencing God's love in our right brain. However, we are called very specifically to love him in this way, and I believe that because he asks us to love, us, to love him this way, he also wants to love us this way. We always know the voice of the one we love most. God loves your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And when we open up ourselves to the possibility of his love in every area of our life, we can experience him more fully and more deeply than we ever thought possible. We can come to know him intimately, not just know about him. Romans 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And if you're comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a physical act that represents a posture of your heart. And so, God, right now, we invite your Holy Spirit to come to speak to us, to activate our imagination, our intuition, the parts of ourselves that maybe we are not as comfortable with, that we would feel safe, that we would know that every good gift comes from you, and that you would come and individually touch every heart here today, that they would not just hear my voice and hear what I have to say about you, but that they would experience and encounter you for themselves. And we pray this in your name. So what does it actually look like to experience God's love in your right brain? Can we go beyond experiencing him in just our logic and our intellect? So I'm going to walk you through how to hear God's voice. And I believe that it's something that is possible for every single one of us here tonight to hear him for ourselves. And it's because of his spirit that we are able to have this connection. 
So I want to tell you a couple things about the Holy Spirit, some of my favorite qualities about the Holy Spirit. For a long time, I only really understood God the Father and God the Son. But when I came to understand God the Spirit, that is when things got really fun. Because the Holy Spirit is an eavesdropper. It's one of his best qualities. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you do this. You're like me. You sit in Starbucks and you pretend you're working or, you know, drinking your coffee, minding your own business, but really your ears like tune to that interesting conversation right beside you. You didn't even mean to tune in, but all of a sudden you're like hearing about someone's potential proposal and you're like, what? You're planning to do it like that? No, no, let me give you some advice. If I had a dollar for every time I've interrupted a conversation at Starbucks and like, let me tell, I'm a life coach. I can help you out here. Don't propose to her that way. She'll say no. That's free. Um, the Holy Spirit, he is like this, okay? The Father and the Son are hanging out in Starbucks, or maybe fourth. I don't know how much of a coffee snob you think God is, but um, they're hanging out having a conversation, the Father and the Son, okay? They're talking about you. They're like, oh, my daughter so-and-so. Did you see what she did yesterday? Can you believe how brave she was? Can you believe that she stepped out and she tried that thing, even though everything inside of her told her not to do it? And the Holy Spirit's, like, sitting there, and he's like, oh, they're talking about her again. How interesting. Oh, what are they saying? Oh, they're saying how brave she is. Wow. She really is brave. And then his job is not just to overhear that conversation, but his job, what he's created to do, is to tell you about that conversation. Is that not a conversation that you would like to hear? And that is a conversation that you have access to because of the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that? I never realized this. I spent so many years trying to connect with this untouchable God that I had no idea he was as close as my breath. That I could just stop and listen instead of talking all the time and hear from God, from God the creator of the universe. What is man and woman that you are mindful of us? But he is. He's so mindful of us that he is talking about you right now. And the Holy Spirit is listening in, and he is like, sister, brother, do you want to hear what the Father and the Son have to say about you? And we miss it. We miss it all the time. We miss it because we don't know we miss it because we're too busy looking on Instagram to find out what everybody else thinks about us. We miss it because our worries and our stresses and our pain completely cloud our vision. But the point is that 1 Corinthians 2 verses 10 to 11 says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Now listen to this. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This is the conversation. The Spirit is hearing the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit. And what does the beginning of this verse say? It says that the things that God reveals to us he reveals through his spirit. So the spirit knows the thoughts of God, 
and the Spirit reveals everything about God to you. Everything. We have access to the thoughts of God. But we're not tapping into it. We're missing out. And I don't want to miss out on that conversation. That is so much more interesting than the terrible proposal ideas. John 14, verse 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So how do we hear this voice? I bet you're like, okay, let's move on now. How do we, how do we hear him? We're convinced. We want to know. Well, the Spirit is really more of a whisper than he is a sign in the sky or a loud, audible voice waking you up in the night or, you know, a thunderstorm. And we can read in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 12 that the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of God, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, powerful wind tore through the mountains, shattered the rocks, but God was not in the wind. Then the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire. Oh, my goodness, a burning bush. Yes, let this be it. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. By nature, the only way that you can hear a whisper is to be close to the one who is speaking. You cannot hear him if you are not close to him. And what does close to him look like? It looks like taking time. It looks like creating some room for silence. It looks like us stopping treating God like he is a voicemail system that we call up and we leave our message. And after we're done, our long rant of all the things that we're grateful for and all the amazing qualities about him and all the requests that we have and that long list that we've written down of all the people we're praying for. And then we hang up the phone. And he's on the other end like, uh, did you want to know what I think about any of that? Or how about a strategy to help you with that problem? Or how about I tell you exactly how that prayer that you're praying for that person isn't as effective as this one that you could be praying for them? But we just hang up. We don't expect anything from him. This is the real problem. The problem isn't that we expect too much from God. The problem is that we don't expect enough from him. He is so big. He spoke, and the entire galaxy was formed. And that voice is speaking to you. And we don't expect anything from him. All we expect is that maybe we'll read something and intellectually we'll be stimulated. And you know what? We don't have to be that smart to figure it out. This is how I know that every single one of you can hear God's voice. You want to know how I know? Do you? Okay, good. <laughs> I know because my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, John 10, says that all I have to be is a sheep. 
just like the camp song, which I'm not going to sing. All I have to be is a sheep. He doesn't ask me to be a scholar. He doesn't ask me to be a theology PhD. He doesn't ask me to be a pastor. He doesn't ask any of you to have any of those titles in order to hear his voice. You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is be a sheep. You know what sheep are really good at? Following the voice of the shepherd. That's it. As long as they know and follow the voice of the shepherd, they will stay safe, they will be fed, they will have rest. And you know, sheep don't have the best reputation in terms of intelligence. But one of the things they have going for them that some of us maybe don't all the time, but we really have the ability just like they do, they have a part in their brain that can recognize faces and voices for their entire life. So if they have a shepherd when they're just a little lamb, and then they get a new shepherd, and two or three years later that old shepherd comes, that little sheep will run to its old shepherd, and it will know its face and its voice. In a lot of ways, those little sheep are a lot smarter than we are. (laughs) Because I wonder if we heard his audible voice, if we would even recognize it. If we saw his actual face, would we know it? One day we're going to stand before him. And this is my hope, you guys. This is what I pray and I want. I want it to feel like when I stand before Jesus and I see him face to face, that I'll be like, oh, hey there. It's just Nikki five minutes ago. That's possible. We could know him that well. We just need to be a sheep. That's all. John 10, 3 to 5, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he will go on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. I could do a whole sermon on that. How many of us are following a stranger? But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. We can get to know the voice of God through getting close, through not trying to be so smart, through practice, through obedience, through taking risks and getting confirmation in his word and from our community. And It doesn't have to be so complicated. So we're going to spend the next part of this message. I think I have about 10 minutes. Do I have 10? No, I have like five. Maybe five. We're going to just spend the the last part of this. I'm going to give you, I'm I'm very practical. I joke, like, I work with a business coach sometimes for my life coaching, and she's like, you're trying to sell people broccoli, but you got to package it like chocolate. And I was like, what's chocolate? I don't get it. Like, She's like, you're, you're too practical. I'm like, well, if I'm going to sell someone broccoli, I'm just going to tell them that I'm selling them broccoli. And she's like, no, 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 this is why it's not working. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to give you the chocolate first here. Now I'm going to give you the broccoli, okay? I want to give you something practical. I want you to be able, and this is why I like the broccoli, because the broccoli is what's going to get you through the week, okay? If I just give you chocolate, you're going to get a stomachache later. 
So I'm going to give you something now that I want you to practically do this week, okay? And I thought we might have time to do it tonight, but we won't. So I'm just going to, you've got to write it down. You've got to take out your little phone, open up your notes, and these are going to be your three homework assignments. I was a teacher at one point in my life. I quit, but here it comes. It's coming out again. So I'm going to give you three things I want you to do. The first is I want you to create a secret place. And here's where you're going to have to suspend your disbelief and all your doubt and all your logic. And trust me when I say that God created your imagination and he created it as an opportunity for you to meet with him. And what I did, this is when I was about 22 years old. I read a book called Can You Hear Me by Brad Jerzak. And it changed my whole life and my whole relationship with God because all of a sudden I realized this was actually meant to be a relationship, a two-way conversation where I could ask God questions and I could hear him give me answers in my imagination. And so I decided to create a secret place. And I'll tell you my secret place. It's not a secret anymore, but my place with Jesus is this waterfall. And it's just, I imagine, I close my eyes and I can see it. It's this huge waterfall. I can't even see the top of it. Comes down into this pool. There's smooth stones all the way around the pool. And then there's like a jungle all around the pool. And I've had this secret place for like 13, 14 years. And the craziest thing happened about five years ago. I always had this secret place and I would go there. I would, when, I, when I was taking time to pray or do my devotions, which for me are so much more fun now, because now for my devotions, I go to the secret place. I close my eyes, I imagine myself there, and I'm like, Jesus, where are you? And sometimes he's like, I'm up here on the top of the waterfall. I'm like, okay, I'm coming up. And sometimes he's like, we're going down this way on the path in the jungle. I'm like, sure, let's do it. And it's all in my imagination. You could all think I'm crazy, but, like, I'm having lots of fun. And I'm encountering the presence of God. And he's showing me things. And here's how I know it's real. Well, I knew it was real before this, but this was just cool. Five years ago, I was praying with some friends at a women's retreat. And one of the women said, this is what I hear God saying to you. He's walking down this path through the jungle, and he's bringing you to this waterfall and all around the waterfall, literally word for word, all around the waterfall are all these smooth stones and the waterfall so big you can't see the top but the water's coming down into the pool and she said, and he's saying to you, I know it's been a long time since you've been here, but I'm waiting. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is our God. He's so good. He's so much better than we realize. And he wants to meet with you. I think he wants to do that more than anything else he wants from you today. More than he wants you to do all the good things. He just wants to be with you. That's why he made you. Not just to be his servant, but to be his friend. <sighs> I'm a very emotional woman. <sighs> so create a secret place, okay? Try it. Just try. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just a place that you can imagine that you could go and meet with Jesus. And when you go there, just ask him where he is and what he wants to show you. The second is start asking good questions. You know what's a bad question to ask God? From years of experience, I'll just give you a hint. Stop asking God why. It's a terrible question to ask God. Do you know why why is a terrible question to ask God? Because it puts God on trial. Do you want to be putting God on trial? The Jesus who died for you, it puts him on trial and says, why? You're, are you actually good? 
And I mean, the thing is, is if you ask him why, he is so gracious and so compassionate. He will love you all through the trial. But a better question to ask him is what? What are you doing? And how can I partner with what you're doing? Because he's always doing something. Always. Even when the situation looks grim and you feel like there's no way out and it's hopeless, he is always up to something good. And so one of the questions that I love asking God, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but that's okay, because remember, we all believe that a guy was raised from the dead, right? So we're crazy already. So one of the things I love to ask Jesus is if we could play a board game together, which game would you want to play with me and why? The first time I asked Jesus this question, and this is why I like it so much, you're going to see here, he told me, let's play guess who. And I was like, ooh, guess who, that's fun. Haven't played that in years. And at the time I was single, and I was like, why guess who? And he's like, well, because you're going to have to knock down all the wrong ones until the one is left. And I was like, well, that's not super helpful, but thanks. Okay, I'll just keep knocking down all the bad ones. And interestingly enough, one of the characters in Guess Who is Alex. And that's the name of my husband. I mean, of all the names in the game Guess Who, I guess there are 30 of them or so, but I thought that was pretty cool. So sometimes he's like, let's play Crokinole. And I'm like, oh, God, are you Mennonite? <laughs> I knew it. All the Mennonites out there, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is like, she's crazy. I'm like, yes, I already told you that. Okay, so ask God good questions. I mean, you can go with something. If that's too out there for you, you're like, I'm not sure if my God likes board games. Ask him if you could write a word over my life right now. What would that word be? Sometimes I imagine there's like a mirror. It's like all foggy from the shower. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, Jesus, what word do you want to write on the mirror? He always answers. If I stop and I wait and I ask, seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask good questions. And last, when you're praying for other people, listen while you talk. Now this one's so fun. I was praying actually for a girl here last year. And I was praying for her, and I was talking. But as I was talking, I was listening. What are you saying, God? What are you speaking over her? I know you're speaking over her, and your spirit can tell me the conversation that you and the Father are having about her. And so I started telling her what I was hearing. And I was like, and you're struggling with this. And I mean, not like crazy specifics, but I was like, you're struggling with direction, and you're, you're wondering, and da-da-da. And afterwards, she's like, how did you know all those things? And I was like, I'm a psychic. No, I was like, I was just listening to the Spirit. And he was telling me those things. And the reason I think he told me is not so you're impressed with me, but so that you would know that he sees you. He sees you. He cares that much about you. So when you're praying for your friends, even if they're not there, instead of going into your list of, like, requests that maybe you're like, this is what they really need prayer for, Lord, or maybe they specifically told you, just ask him. You know what you could even do? You could go to your secret place. You're feeling really wild and crazy. And imagine that they're there too. And bring them up to Jesus and see what he says. See what he does. I did this once with one of my best friends, and I saw this crazy picture. She was like in a river and trying to grab onto this stick. And I was like, I just talked to her yesterday. She's fine, Lord. And he's like, no, she's in the river trying to hold onto the stick. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pray for her holding onto the stick. 
And then I called her. And I was like, this is what I saw. And she started bawling and telling me about the struggle that she was having, that she hadn't had the courage to tell me the day before. But that conversation is what opened it up so that she could tell me what she had never told me before. Never. So listen while you talk. Right now, we're just going to end. We can have the band come up. And I just want to encourage you that God is always speaking. And yes, he speaks in his word. We have the Logos word of God, the Logos word of God. And that is everything that's written in his word. And I'll tell you, he will never contradict himself. So if you hear something in the secret place and you're like, that doesn't line up with truth or that makes me feel afraid, that is not God. He will always speak from a place of love and truth and nothing that he tells you will contradict his word. But there is also the rhema word of God. And the rhema word of God is the word that comes to you personally in your situation and in your circumstance. It's the God that sees you, that knows you intimately, that's not just going to give you a generic answer, but is going to tailor his truth so that it fits exactly to your life in your situation. So we're just going to take a minute now, if you just close your eyes. And we're going to ask God a question, and he is going to answer us. So God, we just pray for your spirit to come, that you would open our hearts, you would open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart, that you would open up the part of us that we maybe kept locked up because we didn't know if it was safe. And I just want you to ask God, God, do you love me? And then I want you to listen. And then after you hear his answer, I want you to ask him, how much? How much do you love me? Try not to resist what he shows you. Try not to ask, is this just my brain? Yes, he made your brain. Remember? He made it. I just see a picture of some of you standing at the edge of a cliff. And you're standing there. And your heart is racing. And Jesus is in the water. And he's like, just jump. <laughs> just jump. And you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to jump. He's saying, trust me, it's going to be so much fun. This is faith being sure of what you hope for, being certain of what you cannot see. God, we jump into your arms. 
we jump into a relationship with you that is active and alive and fun and not what we expect, that defies logic, that sometimes does not make sense intellectually. We trust that your love is big enough to hold all of it. And we ask that you would meet us in that place, that you would speak to us. This week, I pray for dreams in the night. I pray for confirmation in things that look like coincidences but are not coincidences at all. I pray that you would open up your Bibles and you would see a word there and then you would hear it on Sunday and then you would have a friend text it to you and you'd be like, okay, God, you've got my attention. And I ask that every single person in this room, our expectation would grow. Grow our expectation of how big you are and how much you love us and how passionate you are about speaking to us. And we pray these things in your powerful and precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.